You're listening to the She's Unshakable podcast. I'm your host, Fleur Lonsdale. And if you're looking to create incredible courage, resilience, and unshakable belief in yourself, then this podcast is for you. Each episode, I'll be interviewing incredible adventurers, athletes, and entrepreneurs to dig deep into the strategies and tools they use to create unwavering courage and belief so that you can learn how to never give up on your goals and achieve the life of your dreams. Today I get the pleasure of introducing to you Liz Warner, who is from Run to Reach and actually just finished running 30 marathons in 30 countries before her 30th birthday. This conversation is all about all the challenges that she went through and all the excitement that she got to go through as well and it's a really cool conversation so I hope that you love it as much as me. Welcome Liz, I am so excited to have you with us on the show today and can't wait to talk about everything that you've been through and and all your amazing challenges that you've done so far. I mean before we get started why don't you let us into a little bit about your morning routine before we get to know you a bit better. Um, I definitely start every morning with a massive cup of coffee. <laughs> I There have been a few, yeah, times even over the past couple months where I just, I, I really can't function without that big cup of coffee in the morning. And it's sort of my ritual. Like I even over the past couple months, especially being in lockdown, um, I love, you know, grinding my own beans and, and sort of making little, um, foamed milk. And it's, it's really (laughs) been such a small pleasure in my life that I, I love doing in the morning. And that really sort of starts my day on a good note. Nice. Um, I, I, I love coffee, but I can't have it straight away in the morning. Like, I don't know why. Yeah. I need to have it sort of you know, 10 or 11. Otherwise it just ramps me up too much, I guess. Yes. 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 (laughs) And I don't need it in the morning. I'm like, nope. (laughs) Wow. I wish I know I need to, I need to take a step back at some point because, um, I know they say that, you know, coffee is good for you, but definitely in moderation as well. Yeah. 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 Um, and anything else that goes with your, with your big cup of coffee in the morning? Um, I usually eat just a very boring breakfast of oatmeal and some fruits. Um, sometimes if I'm feeling a little bit uh, more motivated, I'll make a green smoothie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I definitely, I normally always have to eat breakfast. I'm not one of those people that can skip breakfast in the morning, but, um, but yeah. And then I, I've been trying recently actually to do at least a 10 to 15 minute meditation in the morning, sort of after I have my cup of coffee. And um, I find that that's also been a really nice way to um, to start the day and ease the nerves and then sort of jump into everything afterwards. Yeah, meditation is such a good way to sort of refocus the mind and get you, get you started at a calm level yeah. as well. I think it's... Do you do that after your coffee or before your coffee? So <laughs> I make my coffee and then um, I've been doing my meditation. So it's almost like I know it's ready. I know it's there. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's something that I tried actually meditating before my cup of coffee, but it's almost like this instinct. I jump out, I jump out of bed and make my coffee. It's ready. And then I do my 10 to 15 minute meditation. <laughs> it um, probably should be the inverse, but it's just sort of how it's been flowing lately. Yeah. Fair enough. Whatever works, whatever works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, Hannah, I'd love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself a little bit about your background and what's got you to where you are now 
Yeah, so I am currently based in Paris. Um, I've been living here for the past three and a half years. And before that, I grew up in the U.S., Atlanta, Georgia. I moved to Japan for a number of years um, after uni. And then a couple of years ago, um, I was not very happy in my job. And I had actually just gotten married. Um, everything else was very happy in my life, but I definitely felt a bit stagnated in my career path. And so I decided, I came up with this crazy idea that I wanted to run 30 marathons in 30 countries before I turned 30. Um, and I had a year and a half to, to sort of see this project <laughs> through. And, you know, with the support and love of my very new husband, um, I decided to say yes. And so, yeah, over the last 18 months, I've just been focusing on that project. I quit my the job that I was really unhappy at. And, um, and that's sort of all that I've been doing. And I just completed it actually last week. Ooh. Yeah. How does that feel? Um, it feels, it feels surreal. You know, this project, it really took over everything the past year and a half. I was hardly home at all. Um, the organization process of the whole project was really consuming. It was the hardest I've ever worked in my life. Um, and But you know what? I've actually, I always knew that this project was just going to be not necessarily temporary, but I, you know, I wasn't planning on having it, you know, lead to, to sort of whatever I was going to be doing for the rest of my life. It was, you know, I knew it was going to be 18 months. And, you know, I think towards the end of it, I was ready to actually wrap it up. Um, it had sort of uh, become really stressful. And there were a lot of challenges involved with, again, just the organization of it and just being constantly traveling, which at first was so exciting. And there was yeah. so much glitter and like, and, you know, and it's what I've been dreaming of doing my whole life, you know, really just taking a year off and, and going to some extraordinary places. But towards the end of it, I definitely started to feel very burnt out. And, um, you know, I was for the project as well in each of the countries that I was running in I partnered with a local organization um, woman focused organization and was sort of traveling to these countries and and meeting with the organizations sort of uh, spotlighting what they did and fundraising for their cause and so that actually in itself was a huge effort yeah. and um, and yeah but you know I I've always I'm a little bit sad it's over, of course, but I'm also really excited for for new opportunities that, you know, can arise from this whole project. And So, like, I mean, what made you decide to to just, did you get the idea of doing 30 before you're 30, like from a magazine or from someone else? Or was it just you woke up one day and you were like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I've got 18 months, like, let's do this. <laughs> Yeah, it literally was like the latter. I so it was actually on my honeymoon and you know also with this job that I was really not enjoying um I almost had to give up running because the my working hours had become mm -hmm. so crazy and and um and for maybe 4 or 5 years I should also um 
say that I had already at this point run 10 marathons. So the project itself would have been the final 20. Um, And, you know, marathon running had given me so much joy uh, for the first five years. You know, I I really just stumbled into running and I started training for marathons and and, um, sort of combining marathon running with traveling. And so, so yeah, I literally was, I was in Namibia, I was, my husband was driving, we were sort of on this road trip around the country. And, you know, I, I knew that after this sort of break and the wedding and the honeymoon that I wanted to sort of reassess my life. And, and I knew that, you know, especially life is too short to do, to continue doing things that, that really make you unhappy. And I also, I always knew that I wanted to do something kind of crazy and, and, um, that required a little bit of, uh, impulsiveness and risk in my life. Um, a few years prior to even, uh, deciding to take on the Run to Reach project, I, I wanted to, I thought my calling in life was, um, opening a small like Japanese restaurant because Mm -hmm. at the time I was living in, in Tokyo. And at that point too, I quit my job and I, you know, studied and, like took all these intensive Japanese cooking classes. So I feel oh, like wow. I've always had it in me to do something a little bit <laughs> impulsive and, and crazy. And, um, and then just, you know, this whole idea of running 30 marathons for 30, it's, it just, I thought it'd be like, I, when I came up with the idea, I also had not really paired it with the whole mission of combining it with, um, partnering with all these organizations. And so initially it was like, okay, over like the next year and a half, maybe I can, you know, on the weekends, like go and travel and run marathons. But, um, but yeah, I sort of let the idea marinate in my head for a few days once it, after initially popped in and, uh, and then it sort of really took shape. And that's when, you know, I decided that if I really was going to do this project, it had to be so much more than just, you know, running marathons. And for me, especially um, traveling to some of these countries and, and running marathons, I wanted to I wanted to learn more about these countries and sort of the issues that that they face. And, and I knew that my passion really lied in learning particularly about women-focused causes. Um, so that's when, you know, I decided... I'm going to also challenge myself by finding an organization in each country that I felt a very deep personal connection to um, and that, you know, I could really sort of focus my entire trip around maximizing exposure on the work that they do and at the same time try to fundraise for that cause as well. Yeah, I mean, such a good idea. I think I think you m- maybe... I guess, didn't realise how much work that would take. Like, when you think about it, well, I guess if you'd done 10 before, you had 20 left, but even 20 in, you know, in 18 months is is a lot, not only a lot of countries to, and places to do a marathon in, but then yeah. to find a charity and to find the people and to find the connections and to yes. organise all of that. And I, I guess you were probably going and, and speaking or, or doing, you know, presentations or something for them when you were in the country as well. I'm, like yes I'm not surprised to be honest yeah I can imagine that was a real tough and in different languages too right yes exactly and you know there was what was also very difficult about Rent Reach is that I had 
literally two months, two and a half months to plan everything. Um, because I, I got back from my honeymoon, I decided to say yes to this crazy idea. <laughs> and I had essentially from October to December, uh, to plan everything. And that meant, you know, figure out the marathon schedule because I was also doing all organized marathons. And, um, oh, and then, okay. uh, yeah, selecting, you know, really doing my research and, and not only choosing the organizations, but also contacting them, mm. seeing if they would be willing to support me. Because as much as I would want to just travel and go to these countries, really the, the main purpose of me going there would be to meet with them and, and again, to sort of figure out a way and how to maximize exposure and the work that they do. Um, so it's just, yeah, it was incredibly, you know, it was, it was a lot of hard work, but again, it was a passion project. And so, you know, at times it did feel like it did feel really overwhelming, but it was everything I, I loved doing. And again, it was all around the project was sort of, um, focused around running and, and, and combining this, this, my love of running and, and travel to sort of, um, and figure out a way to to support these organizations in the best way that I could, uh, yeah. During the course of of the whole project, so, but yeah. So I, you know, in retrospect, I wish I had like two years to plan it all. <laughs> yeah. And even in terms of like, I really went in naively thinking, oh, it, it'll be really easy to find a sponsor. It'll like I just had no idea about anything. I'd never done. I had previously worked in communications and marketing, so I think that like element sort of came a little bit easier, but in terms of just running an entire campaign, I had no idea about anything. And so it really was a learning process along the way, but I also think that made it kind of tough because, you know, I was really doing everything mm-hmm. like while I was actually, you know, traveling and on the ground and it, yeah, it definitely, um, it, felt like I was constantly procrastinating every single little bit and uh you know but that's also part of the challenge and the journey and um it just was the nature of the project as well yeah and you, you, I mean you've got to be nice to yourself too right <laughs> like yeah it's a lot of it's a lot of work and a lot of effort and a lot of time that goes into that and you, yeah I, I think it's all a process and it's all a learning process and understanding you know how you work but how other people work and I mean, the skills that you'd get from that would be incredible as well. Like not only just the networking, but understanding, you know, how you how to even pitch what you're doing and how to even, you know, yes. learn to learn to get people on board on something that might just be a passion project and people don't have the same vision as you. You know, I think that's probably one of the biggest things exactly. is getting your vision across to other people so that they can really see what you're creating. And it's not just about, you know, you running um around the world but actually doing something a lot more impactful as well which is awesome yes I would love to know like what was your the biggest challenges that you faced like um whether it was setting up whether it was running it whether it was traveling I think I think it was at first for the first six months it was really doing everything on my own and I also um the company that I previously worked at, I was still doing freelance work for them to, because also what I didn't really figure out at the start of this project is, you know, how am I going to be able to financially um, sort of see this project through? 
And so I was doing quite a bit of freelance work uh, for the first six months into Run to Reach. And then, yeah, I sort of hit this breaking point where I felt like I couldn't meet deadlines for work, for my freelance work. And I also felt like I couldn't pour as much energy that was needed into the project. And so I made also the tough decision, like I need to figure out another way for me to to just be able to work on Run to Reach. And so I had to get really creative. I think I sent out um, a number of, of long newsletters um, to the network that I sort of created up until that point. And I actually asked people to, if they would be willing to donate Sky Miles. And, and, um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that was, you know, a bit of a challenge at first, really figure out how I'm going to budget everything. And again, that just requires a lot of time and, and sort of reaching out to people and seeing they would be even like tourism boards. And, and, um, it got much easier as, um, the project went on and, and even, you know, probably a year into the project, I had more followers. I had more, um, you know, people who were, who were really interested in the project. And I think that made, um, sponsors and, and again, tourism boards more eager to work with me too. And so those challenges became slightly easier over time. And, uh, but yeah, otherwise too, I mean, it really was the constant travel and, you know, as much as these trips were so like, you know, enriching and, and so, um, you know, transformative in a way they, it, it did feel like work, you know, I wasn't, really always traveling there just as a tourist and seeing Mm -hmm. the country like most often I would go there and again I would you know be sort of um, staying with with people who are working at some of the NGOs I was uh, partnering with and and the trip was revolved around around working with them and then at the end running the marathon and so um, it just felt you know at one point I, I didn't even come back to my apartment in Paris for eight months and so it really wow. I think that really started to um, wear on me a bit and as much as I have a very adventurous spirit I'm also a very much a homebody and um, I'm sort of a nester and I think <laughs> yeah just at a certain point I, I really did burnout and there was a point at the end of last year where I wanted I so desperately wanted to give up and you know fundraising also started to become very difficult and was keeping me up at night because I also set this crazy goal of trying to raise a hundred thousand dollars and you know I was trying to figure out all different ways um, to be able to do that and nothing you know seemed to really be working or getting me anywhere close to that so Um, you know, I think it's just, again, when it's sort of a personal project that you're pursuing, I think there's, I made the mistake of putting so much pressure on myself. Mm -hmm. And um, because it's sort of like, you know, when you're working for a company, again, there's a lot of pressure and, but you're also, it's, you know, it's, you're not doing it for you. You're doing it because you're almost like an employee and when it's um really just the rent reach really had become it's like my my baby and Mm -hmm. you know every effort I put I put into it like I was hoping to see some sort of outcome and a lot of the times you know I would spend hours and hours just sending cold emails to sponsors to journalists to get any sort of exposure to the project and a lot of times yeah you just don't get many responses and but that's also like part of it. And I think, um, 
if I had to go back in time, I wish I could just tell myself, you know, this again is part of the process. And, and even in terms of, you know, I never was able to secure a really big sponsor, which was my hope at the beginning of the project. And I'm actually at this point kind of grateful for that because it gave me a lot of flexibility and I was able to sort of, um, focus my campaign the way that I wanted to. And, um, so yeah, so all these sort of failures, these small failures in the project, like at the end of the day, I'm really grateful for them because they push me in other directions. And I think they also allowed me to create a harder shell and, and, uh, yeah, it made me sort of, um, really try to figure out a way to make some strong lemonade out of lemons most of the time. <laughs> I was going to say, what, what do you think was the, the biggest learning that you, or the biggest growth that you've had within yourself from the start to now? I think I'm much better at surrendering myself to the unknown yeah. in life. And I think I mean, I've never really been a huge planner, to be honest, with anything that I've done. I sort of, I, I do just like jump all in and just hope for the best. But, you know, even with COVID, I was back in March, um, I had just completed Marathon 28. And so I had two remaining marathons left uh, before wrapping up my project in June. And of course, the last two marathons were canceled. And you know, I think a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, like, you know, how are you feeling? Are you completely devastated that you can't finish your project? And, you know, there's, I never for not even a second one felt, felt bad for myself because obviously the world was crumbling and there was a lot mm -hmm. bigger things going on in the picture. But, you know, again, it's just, there's always an opportunity to pivot. And I think that again, like it just in terms of this project sort of, um, allowing me to to strengthen my hard shell with everything that's happened with COVID. It's sort of like, okay, well, how can I figure out a way to to do something different? And I'm still definitely going to finish my project. It might not um, be how I envisioned it at first, but, you know, and to be honest, the way that I finished it, it was actually so much cooler and better <laughs> than if I had just run, um, you know, those two organized marathons and, um, in the final remaining countries. And I organized this, uh, this really amazing virtual race where it wasn't, I mean, it was amazing to me because, um, the, like I asked myself, you know, when I was planning the big virtual race to count as my 29th marathon, how could I make this really cool? Um, how could I really get more people involved? Um, and so I sort of set the goal of trying to get uh, runners from over 100 countries to participate. You know, I had the time. I was at home. And so I just spent maybe three weeks reaching out to random runners all <laughs> around the world to ask them if they would be willing to represent their country in the race. And and I ended up getting, yeah, runners from 110 countries to to um to join me for my 29th marathon i mean obviously i was in paris but these runners were truly from all over the world bhutan iran uh djibouti and it just was so cool like the coolest experience and you know obviously this never would have happened had i just yeah. had covid not sort of um stopped everything and sort of allowed all of us to to pivot and reassess 
Yeah, it sounded amazing. It sounded super cool. Yeah, no, it really, to me, that 29th marathon was the sort of peak and climax, I think, of this whole uh, project. I mean, even though the 30th marathon felt very um, emotional and it uh, it uh, was, I mean, just it still, again, feels very surreal that I was able to, to figure out a way to, to finish it, but just the virtual race and just seeing, again, people coming together for it and also being really excited about it, too. I mean, virtual races are <laughs> not that exciting at the end of the day. You know, you're just running by yourself. But I've actually, um, I asked all the runners to send in a short clip of them running during the race, and I'm putting that all together. And it's just oh, cool. so cool to see, yeah, all the countries and sort of all the different backgrounds where, where people were running. And, and again, for, for, you know, all of these runners to be united, not necessarily for like my cause, but just for their love of movement. And especially during this time now where the world is, is, is really struggling and to just have that, you know, hour to like that moment of unity um, was really powerful. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, what did you do for the 30th one? Was that just in Paris? No. So so my 30th marathon was on June 8th. And at this point, only Italy, Luxembourg, and Andorra had its borders open. Um, oh, I didn't even so, realise they had opened their borders. Uh, Andorra? I, I, neither of them. I didn't realise anyone had yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yes. I mean, most borders in the EU are opening, I believe, um, or they open on June 15th. Which is today. Um, <laughs> yes, exactly, which is today. Um, but yeah, and so I looked into going to Italy, but flights were so expensive. And and um, and a friend of mine actually uh, suggested Andorra. And to be completely honest, I had never heard of Andorra before. Um <laughs> Uh, which I feel a little bit embarrassed <laughs> saying, but, um, but I ended up, you know, I called their embassy and I got in touch with their tourism board. They had opened their borders up to France, not Spain, um, but only France last, uh, like two weeks ago, actually. And so I just decided, you know, it'd be really cool to, to do the last race in Andorra. Obviously it was on my own and I would have to figure out the course. Um, yeah. but I ended up traveling there. It was, um, a beautiful country. I mean, so incredibly mountainous. I'm yeah, still very sore from that last race, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and, uh, it was a great, and, you know, I just traveled there with my husband and he prepared this like finish line um for Aww. me and it you know I I ran the last marathon on my 30th birthday so yeah it felt um, very very special in that way good for you I'm impressed yeah. thank I mean, you with thank everything you. as well that could have gone on you could have just run around Paris you know <laughs> yes no I did like I you know I I knew it was again if I had even just waited a week it would have been much easier I would have had a lot more choices yeah. uh, in terms of places I could run but, um, but yeah, I, I just, I was really ready to, to finish my project. And I also just wanted to, to see it through. And, you know, this whole time it's, the goal has been centered around running 30 marathons before I turned 30. Um, so I just wanted to honor that as well. And, uh, it was funny too. I, um, I was 
trying to decide whether I should run the last race on uh, the day before my birthday or on my birthday. And so many, like there were a few people that commented, they're like, you have to run the day before your birthday. Like, if you don't do that, like you're not following what your goal says. And I'm like, whoa, like I can't wow. believe people are actually caring that much. But anyways, I ran on my birthday and it was, it was very, very special. <laughs> Gosh, so you think, hang on a minute, guys, it's just one day. It's okay. And I'm still know, turning 30 on that day. Exactly. <laughs> Calm down. Um, yeah. How did your your husband deal with you being away and obviously you doing this whole project? I'm guessing he was right behind you. So he's always been, I mean, if there's one person I need to credit through this whole journey, yeah. it's definitely him. I mean, I, again, during moments where I wanted to give up, um, he has always essentially not really let me. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, before even taking on Rent Reach, we had been doing long distance. Um, Mark was living in, was still living in Japan. I had moved to Paris. And so we kind of got the hang of doing long distance. We always sort of lived very independent lives, even though I love spending every second I can with him. Um, so, yeah, so I think he knew how important this project was for me. And, um, you know, I think that's just what great partnership is is sort of supporting each other um especially you know when you know the other partner is doing something that means a lot to them and and uh you know it was really tough at times because I was also going to countries that were a little bit off the beaten path like Afghanistan and uh Yemen like um you know Kotiba and and you know never did I really feel uh, and unsafe in these places, but, you know, especially going to Afghanistan, I think, um, as soon as I arrived back from that trip, I think my husband could breathe again, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, you know, I think in terms of just, um, maintaining a good relationship, we've always had a really high level of trust and, uh, and, you know, he actually was able to join me for some of the trips too, not all of them, but a few. And we ran our first marathon together. And so, you know, and I, and I think at the end of the day, like our relationship grew from this whole experience. And I definitely have so much respect for him having supported me through thick and thin. And really like there are points where, you know, I, again, when I reached that really intense burnout period, I felt myself dragging him down with me mm-hmm. and because I sort of really unloaded a lot of my anxiety and a lot of my um stress onto him and so even I I in retrospect I feel really badly for that but again I mean I think that has made our relationship even stronger and you know I know that also Mark has his own personal dreams and um and I very much look forward to supporting them when he decides to, yeah, take that big step himself. So, so yeah, but, you know, I, I'm very happy now to, to also spend a lot of time with him. And it's yeah. been actually really nice during lockdown, like when that whole um, situation happened and, and we couldn't really leave our apartment. It was a really nice way to reconnect and even just, yeah, discuss a lot of things that, we haven't really had time to to sort of um, go over the past year being apart. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's always a good thing to come from some tough moments, hey? Yes. Um, so, I mean, I wanted to just go back and talk about pivoting because I think that's such an important lesson, especially if you're listening to this and you might be a business owner or you might be going for a goal. 
And I think pivoting is one of the most important things that people can do that they often just don't do because they think, well, that's not the way that I wanted to do it. That was my idea. This isn't how I've been taught, you know. And often they might even shut down a goal rather than pivoting like you did and going, you know what, I can still do this. It might not be the way that I first thought it would be, but Mm -hmm. we can still make this happen. We just have to pivot slightly. And I think that's so, so important and so vital to people reaching their goals. I honestly don't think you can go for something without having to pivot even slightly. It's just very unlikely to happen unless it's, you know, unless it's a super short term goal. It's just likely that most people have long term goals and to get there, you're going to have to pivot. So I think it's a really, really important thing for, for people to understand. I mean, you know, every anyone else could have been in the exact same situation and said, oh, well, I can't run my other marathons now, like the world's shut down. So I just yes. won't do it. I won't finish it. Instead yes. of going, you know what, how can I do this? How can we make this happen? And, you know, I think it's it's incredible and it's such a such a really just a really, really important thing to to share with people is going through a challenge and seeing how you can get through the other side. Yes. Um, yes. So congrats to you. I think that's um Thank you. it's hugely, hugely important and 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 shows the kind of person that you are as well. I think a lot of people would would not have done what you did and so yeah I think kudos I think it's awesome thank you um I'd love to know like when you obviously had those face down moments where you were like I want to give up like Mark Mm. I can't do this anymore what was your what was the moment that you sort of said do you know what I need to stop I need to stop thinking this I need I need to pull pull my socks up and keep going like what was your resilience on that I mean, I also think what was really tough, um, I mean, I've always, yeah, had such a strong love of running and I found with this project and I've never experienced anything like this before, um, because sort of everything that I was doing, I was communicating about running, like my whole life almost revolved around running that, um, I remember I was back in Paris, I what was also really tough, I would be back for maybe two or three days and then head off to the next place. Um, and I was going for just sort of a mental health run outside and I experienced like a pretty bad panic attack. And again, it just was, I was running and, you know, doing the one thing that for so many years has allowed me to, Mm -hmm. to, you know, was my form of therapy. And all of a sudden running started to feel very stressful for me because I think when I was in the moment of course I was thinking about all the things I needed to do for my project and I was doing the one thing that sort of my project was revolved around and I remember just reaching that sort of low point I remember calling my husband and just being in tears and and again it's you know this is all sort of self-inflicted pain and pressure I put on myself um but you know again I I think around that point too, I was, yeah, I was supposed to leave a few days later and I actually, I knew I needed just a bit more time at home to sort of, um, recharge. And, and so I, I canceled that trip and, um, and I just, you know, I figured out a way to continue on after, but, um, I think, yeah, I just, 
you know, I had that panic attack and um, I knew I also needed to, to sort of just talk things through, not only with my husband, with, with friends. And I think what's, what was also really hard about all the traveling is that, you know, I'd be in a new place every two weeks. And, and when you're sort of traveling so much, it's you, you need time to process certain things. And, and I also, you know, working with so many organizations, what was also really difficult is that I put so much energy into really connecting with them. And then all of a sudden I'd be in a different country and a different environment, having to figure everything out. And again, having to do the same really deep connection work. Um, so I think sort of taking that short break after my panic attack during my run and sort of, again, just reassessing and and sort of reminding myself why I was on this journey in the first place, you know, it was not to, to again, all the pressure I put on myself, it was like, oh, well, my project should be a certain place. Like I should, um, you know, have this type of exposure. I should be raising this amount of money. And it was like, no, like at the end of the day too, this is, you know, a journey of exploration for myself. And, you know, from the very beginning, this project has been about, you know, it's just been a learning experience, um, not just, you know, how to, to properly manage a campaign, but also to go to these countries and learn about their issues. So I think from that point, I, that's sort of when I also started meditating and, um, and it, and that really helped with my anxiety and, you know, I, I booked my ticket and again, because money was like such not necessarily money, but I really had to budget everything very, um, you know, yeah. yeah, like I, so I booked my ticket to go to Cote d'Ivoire maybe a week and a half later and almost spending a week and a half at home, it felt like the biggest luxury. And I was mm-hmm. able to really, um, you know, take the time to reassess what this project meant to me and how important it was for me to see it through. And, you know, I even, it's so funny. I remember talking to a few friends about how, you know, I really reached this low point and how, um, I didn't know if I could continue. And a few of my friends, like, bless them. They're amazing, amazing (laughs) people. But they were like, you know, if you decided to stop now, like you really can, like no one will care. Like they didn't say it exactly like that, but they're like, you really can. And I don't know why, like something within me, like almost triggered, like I was almost angry at their reaction because I kind of wanted like sort of how my husband was responding to all of these complaints. Like he was like, no, but you have to continue. And I sort of wanted my friends to say that too. And they were like, no, but you really can give up. And when they said that, I was like, I can't give up. Like, I'm not going to give up. Like, you think I would really give up? Um, so I think that also, I don't know, just sort of added fuel to my own internal flame to keep going. And and that, you know, again, I had poured so much effort into this project already. And and um, and I also, I remember also talking to another friend and she was like, this is part of the journey, sort of mm-hmm. reaching this low point. And it would be strange if you, coasted the whole time you know and again it's just you know that's what life is about and that is how you grow and over the past year it's like definitely been about just completely living out of my comfort zone and and so um so I just yeah I saw it as you know part of the journey and that I was going to try to see this project through as as long as I could and and you know also I think the fact that I never like 
at this point had gotten injured. You know, it was sort of like nothing really is holding me back besides sort of what's going on in my head and just feeling really exhausted. Um, and so it was just mostly trying to figure out how can I sort of reignite this this internal flame um, that I felt at the beginning of this project. And yeah, sort of having this break allowed me to do so during this time. I think it's uh, such an another really good lesson to learn is like your why, like why did you decide to do this in the first place? Um, yes. And I take a lot of the girls that I, I work alongside, you know, the why is the one thing that's going to keep you going. The reason yes. why you started, the reason why you said yes, the reason why you were like, I'm going to do this, is the only thing that when you have tough days, when you have challenges, when you feel like really giving up, you're on the brink, that is the mm-hmm. only thing that's going to keep you going. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. And your why was clearly strong enough, you know, and it clearly meant enough to you. And you, there's, I mean, bless your friends who said, you know, no one's going to care, but yeah. that... That's also a really interesting way for, like, I, I hear this all the time, and it's like, well, everyone thinks I'm going to fail anyway. Like, they don't really care whether whether I do it, whether I don't do it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, it's not about them. Like, you didn't yes. you didn't say, I'm going to go do this to, you know, so that my friends think I'm cool or so that, you know, I can feel accepted by the people around me. The reason why I'm doing this is, is my why. And, you know, I mean, unless your why does revolve around your friends, but most often it's not going to. <laughs> yeah. And so in, such an important lesson for you to see that as well, whereas mm-hmm. some people, once again, would go, oh, well, no one clearly cares that I'm actually doing this. So, hey, why don't, why don't I just give up? Why don't I stop? Yes. And having that, just that inner power of just saying, you know what? No, I can do this. Like, we, mm-hmm. I got this. You, yeah, it's hard. And the, your friend of yours who said, we all, we're all going to go through challenges and, and that is part of your journey is so true as well. And I think, you know, mm-hmm. whether you're doing something similar, whether you're an athlete and you're you're aiming for something high, maybe you're even just raising money for a charity, or mm-hmm. you're 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 running a business, or you know you you might be being a mum, and the pressure that we put on ourselves, like you said, is crazy. Like yes, and and slightly unnecessary, really. Yes. The yes, what we do to ourselves that causes us so much stress and so much pain is just what we're putting on ourselves. Yes. Whereas when we have a goal and when we have a why, I mean, to be honest, even if you said, I know your goal was to do it before you were 30, but I mean, if you'd literally done it like two days later after you were 30, I mean, whoever's going to bat an eyelid? Right, <laughs> it's just like, right, right. okay, maybe you're not the kind of person that I wanted on my, like, on my cheerleading team, you know? Yes, um, yes. But we do, we have to give ourselves some grace, but we also that grace and our goal need to link together so and I think there's sometimes there's a bit of a disconnect with the amount of pressure that we put on ourselves to get to where we want to go mm-hmm. and the goal that we're aiming for rather mm-hmm. than actually you know what if some challenges are going to occur and that goal is maybe going to shift a little bit or that goal is going to maybe extend in time a little bit it's still a goal it's still something mm-hmm. you're going to do but you know what I'm not going to die over it right Right. And, and this was meant to be fun so let's have fun with it and let's enjoy yes. it and let's 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 do it let's go for it but let's be kind yes. to ourselves exactly and yeah a super super important 
um, lesson. And I, you know what? I think we all have someone who's going to run with us. And I think having Mark obviously there, um, very important to have someone who's going to push you even when you're having tough times. You know, I mean, myself and my partner will we'll go through times where we'll, one of us might have a bad day or, you know, that self-doubt kicks in and you wonder whether you're even going to be able to make it, whatever that means. But you need someone to go, you know what, this is just one of those times. This is just one of those challenges you're going through. Take a break, go outside, go do something fun and then reconnect, like re-come back tomorrow and see how you're going, see how you're feeling. Like, we've got to have those days where we just go, you know what, this isn't such a good day. I'm going to do something that makes me happy, whatever that might be. And then, yeah, get back to your why the next day and remember why you started. And I think, yeah, super, super awesome that you did that and really, yeah. really cool to hear. I love it. I really love it. Oh, thank you. Um, I'd love to know, like, obviously we've had some challenges around the organizing and the challenging and the sponsorships, mm -hmm. but I mean, the running <laughs> for most people yes. Yes. listening to this going, hang, hang on a minute, we're lacking a big part of what's yes. going on here. I mean, running 20 marathons in 18 months, I mean, I don't know how quickly you did the first 10, but yeah. I mean, how, how was that? Oh, you've, have you always just been a long distance runner who just finds it super easy? No, not at all. Actually, before Renterage, I really had not run more than... I mean, typically I'd run a marathon a year, sometimes two. And I just remember, yeah, it was always such a big deal. And I would, you know, my entire year would be um, focused around training for that one or two yeah. marathons. Um, so, you know, I feel really lucky. Like, I also knew that I wasn't, you know, going for a particular time in any of these races. It was purely just to finish. And mm -hmm. I, I really... Um, when I was running each of the races, I just, the focus was to not get injured. And, uh, and so, you know, I took my time. I also took a lot of photos during the race. I was in some really yes. spectacular places. And so I really wanted to also soak in my surroundings. And, um, I traveled with a little yoga mat. And so I'd always do, you know, lots of stretching and, and straight training work. And, uh, the races themselves were all very different. I mean, some, I did a few like mountain marathons, which were very new to me, like the kind of marathons that take over eight hours to complete. Yeah. And so, um, and that was a completely new experience to me. But I think at that point too, I think also with marathon running, it's most of the time, I mean, obviously you need to be a certain level of, um, of, you know, being physically fit, but it's really comes down to mental endurance and especially with mm -hmm. those mountain races, it's just, you know, how can I push myself mentally to, to keep going and keep putting one foot in front of the other. But, uh, but yeah, some of the other races, you know, it's, I did a race in Somaliland and that it was night, like 35 degree heat. And, um, I had to be fully covered because it's a pretty conservative Muslim country. And so each of the races had their own particular difficulties. And I think that's also what made them very exciting. But, um, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, so many people are like, how did you not get injured? And, and again, I think I wasn't running, you know, I, it really depended, um, the time I would run each race, but it really was never about speed for me. And mm -hmm. it was just about, again, soaking in my surroundings and, and just make sure, making sure that I, 
I, I stretched a lot before and after and, and, um, the focus was just on not getting injured. And so that, I think just having that mentality, um, allowed me to really push through and, and, um, at least, yeah, keep a strong body and mind throughout the whole journey. Yeah, definitely. Um, makes a difference when you say it like that like actually enjoying the marathon I think so many people will go okay I'm going to train for this marathon I'm going to do this in a year's time and then they do the marathon then it's kind of like gone and they don't even remember it (laughs) you know exactly oh I just ran a marathon now I feel good okay back to the bubbles yes Um, exactly (laughs) which is hilarious so I mean did you have a coach along the way did you have a coach or a mentor that would help you um with your mindset or with your training I did not. Um, I would love to, you know, now, now that I sort of completed this challenge, I'm really hoping to do more like longer ultra marathons. And I think I'm going to look into getting a coach, but, but yeah, I, I, I didn't get a coach for this. And, um, again, the running and to be honest, all of the marathons, they felt almost like a day off for me. <laughs> it was the one day that I, you know, I shut down my computer. This day was about just having a blast um, for, you know, the four to eight hours I was running. And um, and so I think also just making the race this really fun, you know, non-stressful activity um, also allowed me to just really push through in a lot of these races. And mm-hmm. um, but no, I, I I never actually got a coach uh, during this project. Cool. I mean, good for you. Yeah. Doing it all on your own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and something I love to talk about is limiting beliefs. Like, is there anything that comes to mind when you think that maybe some beliefs that you had that you thought would could potentially have stopped you you know completing or maybe that you had at the start that you've sort of worked through now in terms of like beliefs and in terms of expectations or just in terms of you know potentially some self-doubt whether you were good enough to to actually accomplish this whether this was something that you could actually do you know, yes. what would people think about you? I, I don't know, whatever beliefs that might come up. Yes, I, you know, I feel like this is also, it's my fatal flaw, but also my greatest quality is just, again, you know, diving into the unknown and, and seeing what comes out of that kind of opportunity. And I, you know, in terms of beliefs, I guess... I, you know, I looked up to certain people who not necessarily had done the same project, but who had done similar projects. And so I think, again, when you start this kind of project, you're like, oh, you know, I should achieve this level of success at this point. And, and, um, I think, you know, I also started this project from zero. I had, like zero followers, no one knew who I was. <laughs> and, uh, and so, but I think, you know, the project just really grew organically. I, what also was kind of tough at the beginning of the project, I'm not, I'm not a huge extrovert. Like I don't really like putting myself out there or even being the center of attention that makes me feel very uncomfortable. And so, you know, I think I started this project having all these hesitations on, um, or just, yeah, being very 
self-conscious about, you know, will I actually get over the, this fear of putting myself out there and, and, um, kind of becoming a public figure in a way. And like, obviously not to a huge level, but, but in the way that I had to sort of frame my story to, to people that were following along. And, and so, and I definitely feel like, um, I've, improved on that level like I I for sure am not someone that I still don't really enjoy being um you know being in the spotlight and being sort of the center of attention that like I don't think that feeling will ever go away (laughs) but I also know that that was kind of necessary for my project and again I think it um you know I'm a huge believer that life should be lived at least like 60% of the time outside of your comfort zone. And so I really mm. live by that uh, mantra. And, um, you know, I think it's um, any sort of fear that you have at any point in time, that fear just slowly, maybe not necessarily goes away completely, but at least lessens. And I think that whole, um, yeah, hesitation or or feeling of just not wanting to, to put myself out there in ways that I knew that I needed for this project. Um, I mean, yeah, that sort of definitely got better over time and definitely, um, yeah, I feel like I grew as a person just by feeling a little bit vulnerable at times. And, and, um, especially, you know, on, on social media, you have to be at a certain point, like pretty honest and open. And, and that was something completely new to me. I've always been a very private person. So, um, so yeah, I, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, totally. For sure. 100%. Um, cool. I love it. And so what's like one of the scariest things that you've ever done? This could be in your running, it could be in your run to reach, it could be anything really. Oh, scariest things. Um, yeah, I mean, I think again, just doing a project like like this, and just I think what was also really scary was actually at the beginning of Rentreach when I decided to say yes to doing this. Um, was actually starting to tell people <laughs> about the project, yeah. and um, you know, for the past like eight years before Run to Reach, I had, you know, had a normal job and I sort of was on this very, um, normal trajectory in life and, and, uh, starting to really tell friends and family members, you know, I'm just going to quit everything and take this big risk and, and do this project that is a little bit against the grain and what, I don't know, someone should be doing at, <laughs> at sort of like the peak, not peak of your career, but also a point where it's like, you know, you need to be doing something that will lead you to X, Y, and Z later. And, um, I actually, um, around the time it was maybe one month into planning run to reach, I had started working on the website. Um, and I got an email from, um, a company that I'd, I had interviewed at maybe six months before, and it was a company I really wanted to work for, and it was sort of my dream job at the time. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, <laughs> if I ever was able to get a job at this company, like it would be such an incredible experience. And so I had to make that really tough decision, you know, do I? And so the company emailed me, and they actually, they a position had opened up, and they wanted to see if I was still interested, um, in the position. And, uh, so I had to make this really tough decision. Like, do I, 
throw away this run to reach idea that, you know, obviously hadn't, I hadn't started the, you know, the journey yet, um, or, and take this, this job and sort of go the safe route, or do I take the huge risk of, (laughs) of, you know, yeah, doing, you know, running 30 marathons and, and taking this year off. Um, and I remember I was actually home for Thanksgiving, um, with my family in the U S and I was having a cup of coffee with my mom and sort of discussing it. And she was like, yeah, I mean, I remember you telling me how much you wanted this job and like, do you really want to take this big risk of run to reach? Like, you know, it's obviously going to cost so much money and like, you haven't even figured that part of the project out yet. But again, like to me, this is what life is all about. And run to reach also, I mean, not everyone has the opportunity to do something this crazy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yes, I could have taken that job. And there were many, many points during the past year where I wish I had taken that job. Like I wish yeah. I had taken the secure route, but at the end of the day, like, again, I knew that I never would have grown in the same way. And, um, and so I think, yeah, I guess in that moment, it was a very scary decision. What do I do? Do I take the big risk or the sort of the safe path? And I decided to, to take the very unpredictable, <laughs> um, yeah, a uh, risky route of doing run to reach. Um, and you know, but I think at the, I also knew that even though maybe this job opportunity might not still exist a year and a half later, this company would still be there mm-hmm. and I could always still pursue, um, that job later down the line. And so mm-hmm. that's also sort of why I decided against taking that job too. Good for you. Love it. I think it's yeah. I think it's so important to to just sometimes just go actually you know what I'm going to take the hard route and mm-hmm. see where it takes me. I think it's it's a way that we grow, it's a way that we develop ourselves. It's it's something that most people don't do because it's easy <laughs> to go the safe route, right? It's easy yes. to to pick the 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 non-confrontational route essentially, yes. you know? Yes. Let's do what yes. we should do rather than let's do what we feel like actually would be really cool to do right now so good for you okay last question um what's the best advice that you could give our listeners again i mean especially with the current climate in the world i think you know surrender yourself to the unknown as much as possible in life and you know i think we need to embrace, always embrace the possibilities that can come out of the most miserable um, of situations. And, you know, again, to me, any challenge that sort of arises in my life, it's an opportunity for growth. And that's Mm -hmm. how I see everything in my life now is, yes, like, please honor or like, give into that five minutes of sort of pity and like freak out and everything. But then, you know, there needs to be sort of that moment of reflection and how can I turn this really, um, this negative situation to something into an opportunity for growth and life is never going to turn out the way that you plan it. And, and, you know, I think also coming, you know, growing up in the U S especially Americans always have these five-year plans. And I remember growing up that would, <laughs> that would stress me out so much because 
no matter what, like you will never be able to fulfill any, I mean, maybe to a certain extent, but life happens. Like, Mm -hmm. and, um, and I think, you know, yes, it's good to have some sort of, you know, plan in mind, but I think that's, what's also what makes life so exciting is these sort of twists and turns and ups and downs. Mm And, and, you know, I think, yeah, just sort of embracing those ups and downs and, and sort of, again, making, always making lemonade out of lemons when you can. (laughs) Yeah, agreed. 100%. Take what we can, hey, and do what we can with it. And when every, when every challenge comes across our plate, just see it as an opportunity. And it's such a good way to see the world and to see life. And I think you're so right. Like knowing, having a good goal and having a vision as to what you want and what you want your life to look like is great. But knowing that it might not be the perfect vision that you have in your mind and knowing that things are going to come up along the way because it would be very weird for them not to, right? Exactly, exactly. Awesome. Well, thanks, son. I absolutely love that conversation. Super cool to hear all about your challenges as well. I'd love for you to be able to share with the others where they can find you, if they want to connect with you or how they can find you on social media. Yes, of course. So my... Um, social media or my Instagram is at run to reach R U N T O R E A C H. And the same with the website, run to reach.com. Um, I also have a Facebook page saying run to reach. So you can find me on there. Ooh, awesome. And they can, you're still raising money, aren't you? So they can. Yes, yes, absolutely. That process. I mean, I have raised up until this point a bit over 50,000, um, which I feel really, I feel proud about because again, we're, we're going through a, a global economic crisis at the moment. And, um, and I am really, really excited to still be able to give, um, in a big way to these organizations that I've been working with. So, but yes, the fundraising journey has not ended at all. And I would be forever grateful for, for any support. Um, if you'd also like to learn more about the organizations I was working with too, all that information is on the website as well. Fab. Awesome. So yeah, go check, go check Liz out, go check out her journey and everything and all the cool photos. Cause you've got some super awesome photos as well. So oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for it. Oh, thanks for jumping on. It's been awesome to have you. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and head on over to iTunes or your favorite podcast listener and give us a five star review. Don't forget to join our free Facebook community called She's Unshakable, where we get to share our tips and tricks and experiences with building courage, resilience, and belief in ourselves. I look forward to meeting you in there.